when I tell you I felt like crap, words can't describe it. And I didn't feel comfortable talking to anyone about how I felt. I went through the lowest times where I felt like I couldn't cover myself, I couldn't hide my shame. There were times I found myself so dark and deep within myself where just to hide it all, I just was saying to myself, God, if I could just end it all, you really owe it to yourself to take care of your mental health because it's such a vital part. It makes up who you are. It's not just about, because I think it's easy to mask how we feel because at the end of the day, we, we often all are actors. You only let people in so much that they feel you're doing absolutely okay. You're listening to Journey to Fatherhood, a podcast that inspires and equips men to becoming more intentional and feeling more supported on the journey to fatherhood. Why wait to become a father before learning how to be a good one? My name is Chinidim Wanaya, a young man also on his journey with a desire to help men become great fathers despite their past personal experiences. I'll be sitting with different guests to bring you great value, sharing their knowledge and their experiences as we all embark on this amazing journey. This podcast, though targeted towards men, ladies, you will also gain great value from the conversations. Now, without further ado, let the journey begin. Welcome to Journey to Fatherhood podcast. It's Chinadin here. And I just want to welcome you onto another exciting episode, something that I feel this Today's topic is really something that we need to discuss more about. But before I go on to that, I just want to take some time to say thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. And I'm, I mean that honestly, because I, I, yesterday I was taking some time to really reflect on how far we've come in just under two months. We started in April, first week of April, and we're in the third week of May now. And it's just it's very humbling to see how engaged people have been in the different conversation we've been having. Yesterday, um, sorry, last week on Saturday, we had our IG Live, which we have every Saturday on the Journey to Fatherhood podcast Instagram page. Now, we had that session and we had a great conversation with people chiming in, you know, asking questions, making comments to the discussion that was going on between myself and David Elliott. And for those that haven't listened to it yet, Make sure you head back and watch, I'm sorry, and listen to the podcast episode we had last week titled Preparing for Marriage with David Elliott. Because in that conversation, which led on to the Instagram live post and the Instagram live discussion, it was amazing because it flowed so well. And whilst we were focusing on marriage relationships, we opened up the floor to questions. And it was interesting how it then led into the idea, you know, we started talking about social perceived ideas of what masculinity is things like okay what is manhood how should a man be what emotion should a man express what should they not express what are they expected to do or feel or show and it it really made me think about the amount of times that many men you know are lost in the mask of masculinity and it, it causes so much rift in terms of being able to really address emotions 
And we touched upon a few things in terms of mental health last week. And that's really where I'm heading to today's episode because, and it's so, it just so happens this week is actually Mental Health Awareness Week. And I, I, really, I really took some time to start doing a bit of research because whilst we can speculate, you know, how badly men respond to the idea of mental health, I wanted to see what statistical figures support that or discredit that. And one of the things I saw in uh, uh, an article revealed by BMI Healthcare, this was in 2018, but it said 28% of men are less likely to seek help, mental health help compared to 19% of women. Now, I guess a lot of people already have the idea, it's, it's almost kind of known that men are less likely to talk about emotions than women are. It, and it just, got me, it just got me really thinking about, because we've been having, it's been this way for so long, and yet the numbers aren't, whilst it's been made aware that you know, men need to seek more mental health help, or just general help when they need help, it seems to be falling on deaf ears. I've been asking myself, okay, so why is there no progress being, that real, real progress being made about around these issues? And it comes down to a lot of the stigmas that we have. And today, we're going to be taking you through a free, free set process. I'm just calling, you know, we're going to talk about the problems, the impacts, the solutions, and just a bit of my personal experience when it comes to the topic. But first of all, I really wanted to just take some time and open it up with really saying, it's important that we acknowledge our emotions. And men, guys, before you even try to turn off or pause this podcast or, you know, say you're not about it, let me just tell you now, there's nothing wrong with expressing your emotions. There's nothing wrong with seeking help. There is nothing wrong with admitting you need help. There is nothing wrong with admitting that, yes, I haven't got it all together. That's the first step of courage. Because the thing about it is that, I think there's such a, going on to the problem really, is the stigma. Recently, yes, we've had more men come on social, on media, you know, TV shows and documentaries. We've seen all sorts of documentary of men now opening up about how they felt, how, you know, when they went through things like anxiety, depression and all these other things. But it's almost in hindsight, it's always, it's always, we always tend to find it in hindsight where they talk about, oh, if I had known, I would have talked to someone else. Now, one thing I, I, my, I think my uncle once told me was that, yes, it's great to learn from your own experience, but it's even better to learn from other people's experience. And this is what I really want to talk about today, because at the end, towards the, um, later on in, the podcast, in today's episode, I'll take you through a little insight into my journey. But I really wanted to start addressing it step by step and one of the things I was looking whilst I was doing some research this week I came across a TEDx talk by a guy called Connor Beaton the TEDx talk was actually titled the mask of masculinity and here's what he had to say about all of that you see at a very young age most boys and young men are taught that their highest value as a man is their ability to dominate to control, and to succeed at all costs. You see, I've had a unique experience, and I've been able to see masculinity in all different forms, in all walks of life. From the frozen gravel pits of northern Alberta to the opera houses of Europe 
and China, all the way back to the corporate boardrooms of North America. I've seen the dark, violent, and aggressive side of masculinity, and I've seen the light, compassionate, caring side. Machoism and our idea that in order to be a successful man, we need to dominate others. We need to be a lone wolf. We need to figure it out by ourselves. That's what's really crushing men today. So machoism, machoism is a strong sense of masculine pride. Okay, not so bad. With a supreme valuation of characteristics culturally associated with the masculine. And the denigration and devaluation of characteristics culturally associated with the feminine. That means that young boys and young men that are trying to live into this very macho stereotype, this macho, you know, archetype, put masculine qualities and masculine traits on a pedestal and diminish anything that's associated with the feminine. Things like community. They end up idolizing and worshiping and putting on a pedestal this idea that we need to be a lone wolf in order to figure everything out, in order to be a real man. So now that you've heard all of that, I really want you to just think about it. Now, you mentioned the idea of, you know, the expectations, social expectations of what men should be and how men then idolize this idea of masculinity, which puts against anything that is remotely close or associated to feminism, which is absolutely wrong, where we almost discount expressing emotions. And this is where the problem really lies on. But, you know, we could talk about, okay, men just need to, you know, they just need to start talking about it. But it got me really thinking about, okay, how are we as society, you know, reinforcing these false ideas of masculinity or these very toxic ideas of macho men or things along those lines? And it, it, it really took me back because I'm thinking to myself, there are so many ways that we can help. Now, we could go through everything in terms of, okay, yoga, you know, self-awareness and all of those. We'll catch up on that. But the little things and little phrases that we say, let's take, for example, I don't know if you remember, but I remember for sure growing up in primary school or secondary school, whichever one you call it, high school or whatever you call it. There were times where if a guy, you know, if a guy expressing emotions, even the ladies will be seeing why are you crying like a girl? Why are you being such a girl? And to the point where this still happens now. And whilst it's a lot of, you know, people see it, you know, it's just a joke, you know, stop being such a wuss or whatever you want to call it. Stop being such a girl or stop being so weak. Why are you crying? It now develops this false idea that men shouldn't cry or men don't cry. So if you cry, you are really not upholding yourself as a man. So we go through so many people growing up suppressing these emotions or not even feeling comfortable with speaking with the people they call their boys, you know, people that you say, these are my ride or dies, these are my guys, but you don't feel comfortable talking about things like that because in your mind, if I show this level of vulnerability, then am I really a man? Questions like that bring about confusion. You know, people start keeping things that are really hurting them and they don't talk about it. And it, it, it's, it's, it's really scary because it can go so far as to people, you know, suffering in silence. For example, community, um, I was doing some uh, in my research again. I was really trying to look into, okay, what are we seeing in terms of the end results of it? And the things that kept on coming up is things like stress, 
pressure to be this or that. You know, the idea of masculinity as it's portrayed, unfortunately, still in society, you know, men are the providers. You can't be seen as weak. You know, man up. The phrase man up, deal with it. You're a man. You can't be, you can't be expressing those feelings. Now, we keep finding people, you know, because these things aren't dealt with, they manifest themselves in different ways. And now that leads me to the impact where there's now higher levels of men, you know, feeling lonely, but not being willing to admit their loneliness. Community Life Survey in 2018 did a survey and they found that men are more likely than women to say they never feel lonely. And the, the, the percentage is actually 27 to 20. 27% to 20%. Men are more likely to say they never feel lonely. Okay, you want to talk about, okay, it's not just loneliness. Let's talk about stress. Now, even something that happened to me recently was, this is something I'm still dealing with. The idea of associating emotions with weakness, but it, it, it's taken me a long time to really become more self-aware and acknowledge that it's not a sign of weakness. But sometimes... You know, you still find yourself falling into the old habits where this week I actually found myself in that place where I was given a task. I was feeling very overwhelmed. You know, lately I've been assigned a few tasks outside of, outside of work. And being able to even say it's, it's a bit too much for me. I was like, in my head, I was like, no, this is very, it's, it's, it's a sign of weakness. And I had to really catch myself. I had to just say, speak to the person that gave me the task. Um, just tell him I'm really struggling. And it was interesting because it was also someone I respect as, you know, a macho man that, you know, I've never seen him complain about anything. He's just taken things on the chin, you know, gone with it. And it was like, wow. So they understand how I feel. And we started having a conversation around this thing. And it made me realize a lot of the things, a lot of the reasons why we don't share things as men is the idea of judgment being judged. But I'm telling you, Whatever it is you're going through, the other guy probably wants to talk about the same thing. But it's almost like, okay, who's going to go first? And whoever wants to go is, is, is the hesitancy. They feel reluctant to do so because they feel, okay, what would they think of me? How is this really going to come out? Now, I, I say this because there, there, there are all sorts of things, you know, this talk about spectrums of mental health illness and stuff like that. It can go from stages of anxiety, low self-esteem, stress. It, like, it can go from the littlest things as opposed to from the littlest things all the way to more diagnostic, chronical mental health problems. But what I'm really focusing on today is more mood and mental health. Let's, let's put in the phrase of things that can be identified by yourself. Because I was having a conversation earlier this week, I was saying that it's so funny how during this lockdown, you've seen so many people, you know, so focused on physical gains, you know, um, the 5K runs, the home workouts and things like that. Everyone's really trying to find a way to get that shape, stay in shape. But how many people are working on the mental health part of it? I, and it, it's, 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 so, it's so much more important now than ever. Because we have to understand that we are going, we've, we're going through or we've, we're going through an epidemic. 
The lockdown has, take, has taken a toll on so many people. You see reports of domestic violence rising and all these things. People are struggling to manage it. Now, imagine being struggling to manage something, but you're not even able to speak out and ask for help. How are you really going to manage it? How are you really going to progress from that? Now, whilst this is an issue that involves both men and women, I really want to focus on the guys. Because whilst we talk about fatherhood, listen, there are certain things you need to make yourself more aware of. Because if you don't make yourself aware of that, you will take that into relationships. You will take that into your relationship with your spouse, your kids. And these are undealt issues that you wouldn't even realize. So it's, it's really things about being self-aware. Now, I've come to realize whenever you talk about mental health, it has this, especially when I talk to guys about it, it's almost like, oh, come on now, Chinadim, you're a Christian. You shouldn't be talking about that. You know, you know, with God, all things are possible. Listen, I stand by faith. With God, all things are possible. Absolutely. I, there is no knock on them that I'm a Christian. I'm a strong believer in Christian. I'm a born again Christian. But I also have to acknowledge that it's important that we have conversations, that we talk, that we be our brother's keepers, that we feel comfortable to speak to people. We are social beings. Now, if you want to take it religiously, if you want to go into the religious aspect of it, we are social beings. God created us to also fellowship with one another. Now, I say this because it's so easy for mental health to be demonized, where it's like, come on, it's just your lack of strength in yourself, you know, come and just man up, you know, just, you know, just put it aside. But how many times have we seen people just act so out of character? And we later realize it's because so many things have been pent up that bottle things up. Mental health is not something that's only dealt one time. It's not something that's only dealt mental health awareness week it's not mental health awareness month it's a way of life it's a lifestyle continuously making sure that you are taking care of yourself mentally making sure your emotions are intact or at least addressing any emotions that are not comfortable or healthy that arise because going on to the impact of it because we don't address these types of things that the toxic macho masculinity or the idea of you know, you don't talk about these things with your guy, your f fellow friends, and you just have to deal with it, you know, bury it under the hatch. People bury themselves because they ignore that. We have, we see an impact of things where so many people, so many men hide behind a mask. They're crying inside, but outside they're smiling. Listen, I was, I, when you want to talk about acting, I didn't realize I was an actor till about three years ago. What I realized that for the longest of time, I was dealing with some deep stuff that I didn't want to talk to about with anyone. Because it was, I, I was, I guess I felt that there was this expectation upon me to be the strong guy, you know, the motivational speaker, you know, you're the one that encourages people. Why do you need to be encouraged? If, you're, if you need to be encouraged, how are you going to encourage other people? Now, I found myself losing my identity because I was struggling between is it okay for me to feel down? Is it okay for me to talk to people about feeling down? Does that show that I, does that mean I shouldn't even encourage other people if I need to be encouraged? And things that were going back and forth. 
Now, for many people, lack of addressing these emotional triggers and all these things that are buried, it leads to things like deep anxiety, addiction, addiction to things like alcohol, drugs, sex, and even self-harm. Now, so many people do things to escape what they're really feeling. You want to talk about fatherhood experiences, childhood traumas, things that haven't been addressed, but in the eyes of so many men, it's like, it's a taboo. We don't even talk about that. We don't go there because, you know, it's in the past. (laughs) But the past was also part of your life. That was a life that you lived through. So if we keep avoiding things, we end up actually putting not just ourselves at risk, but many other people out there. I know, I know, I know it's easier said than done. It's easier said than done. And I know if I were to ask many men to share their experiences, we may even have very low, low contributions from men because it's still the idea, no, I can't really share this. But if you, if you, if you want to talk about this, let's talk about this. Send a direct message to the Instagram page or find us on what on twitter facebook instagram just reach out to us let's have these conversations because as time goes on i'm trying to open up a community of just men that can able to empower and lift each other up i am still geared to us launching our mastercard series hopefully it may have to be pushed because of the lockdown but hopefully after july or maybe sometime in august september because I think these are some of the main things that hinder great men from staying great or becoming great. Because we put so much pressure on ourselves to be perfect. And I think that's it. Just focusing on that. The idea, you know, coming into the world is, 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 is the idea that, you know, the man has to have, have, needs to have it all figured out. And for a long time, men are told, you know, you need to have it all figured out. There's no sign, there's no room for weakness. No sign of weakness that we are designed, that we are designed to dominate everything. Anything short of that, you disqualify your manhood. And I'm here to tell you that that's not the case. If anything, addressing your mental health, being more mindful of your mental health actually shows courage. It shows courage because you're able to go dig deep into the places that are uncomfortable to turn and address those things to become more comfortable with yourself. Now, it's important that we have these conversations because as I have conversations with a lot of my mentees, I realise it's that disconnect with their emotions. Men don't cry. No, we don't talk about that. Oh, that's wet. That's soft. No, I'm not talking about that. If you don't talk about it, it will manifest itself one way or another and you can't always hold it back. Now, at the start of this episode, I talked to you about how I would like to go into explore with you my little experience and experience I had with mental health, more specifically depression. Now, as many of you know, or some of you may know, people that know me, I love basketball. I, 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 I gave everything into basketball. And I discovered it late when I was about 15. I, just, I started playing basketball at the age of 15. I, yeah, if I'm correct, at the age of 15, year 10, after football didn't work out so well. And I was given it everything. It wasn't until I went to sixth form that I realized, do you know what? 
if I really put my heart into this, I might just be able to make it to America to even play college basketball. And, you know, if I, if I get scouted, if I get, if I get the right looks, NBA is a possibility. You know, there's so many hoopers in London or in the UK that have that, that, that goal. You know, once they start touching a basketball, hoop dreams, ball is life. But for me, it really, it really took an interesting step because I started giving everything I had into basketball, putting every, every ounce of effort I had. And I took it more seriously when I was in sixth form at the age of, 17, at the age of 17. So at the age of 17, I had to prepare for my SATs, which is the common application to be able to go to America and study in America. At the time, I was head boy of my school, which meant a lot of responsibilities, talks, organizing the student leadership team. Like, I, found it, I found those things fun. But when I then applied for my common application and I got a few conditional offers from American universities, word got out. And I found myself almost, I was encouraged to give talks about, you know, my journey and how I was able to, you know, the type of motivational thing where it's like, if you can do it, if you believe in yourself, you can do it. The idea, because I was, it was almost like, we, this is the first time someone's actually applied to go to America from the school and being able to get so much interest and offers, conditional offers. So these were all based on my SAT grades. Now, I applied for educational scholarship, academic scholarship in the hopes that if I qualify for the academic scholarships, when I go to America, I will work my ass off so that I can get into the team. And not only that, be recognized and see how far I can go with basketball. Now, that was the goal. I was putting everything into it to the point where my school was quite far away. So I'd wake up five o'clock, get to school by 6.30, 6.45 to train from 6.45 to about 8.15 so that I could get changed quickly and go to lessons at 8.30, 8.45. Now, I did this Monday to Friday. This was my life. I was doing it. I enjoyed it. And sometimes straight from school, I would go training at a, local, a national team that I was training and playing for. So that, that was it. My mindset was so geared. When it, I don't know if you watched The Last Dance, but a little detail. The Last Dance was an amazing show about Michael Jordan and his focus. Now, it, it, was a, it was the hoop dream that drove me. I was doing everything. Train in the morning. Coach, I even started coaching year 7s to year 11s in the school because they didn't have a coach that, a basketball specific coach. So I took on that role, coaching them. And all through assemblies, I, it was almost like, listen guys, I applied for these scholarships, I applied for these schools and you never know what you can get unless you put yourself out there. And it was almost like the trophy boy, but it wasn't a sense of pride, but it was more so I had to start speaking into existence to the point where I started, I even start, gotten borrowed, started wearing my uncle's baseball jacket, started saving money for my Timberlands. And guess what? I took the SAT exam about three hours and 45 minutes. I remember I went to Oxford to do that exam. And the results came out. I didn't meet the requirements for a full scholarship, academic full scholarship from the universities. Now, I was so, it was, I was feeling, it was so, such a high level of optimism before the exam because I was interviewed by Duke University. So Duke University, for many that don't know, it's one of the top NCAA basketball colleges in the UK, in America. And I was interviewed, they actually sent one of their representatives 
because my they, they were interested they were impressed by my application they sent one of their representatives that's a, an alumni that lives in the uk so they did the interview she said everything looks good just wait for the grades to um, make sure you do well in the sat so it was almost like a lock-in if i got the grades required for the full scholarship but when i found out that i didn't get the grades i was it, it, it when when i'm telling you a part of me fell out literally a part of me fell out and the craziest thing about this is as a christian i i was I, yeah it's almost like i amped my prayers and fasting <laughs> i laugh about it now but it was not easy back then because it was almost like i was saying to god you know god i will pray and fast i will study the bible read the bible back and front listen to sermons everything i'm just building this up please just make sure help me get to america when I get to America, I was even saying that my celebrations would just be pointed back to God, you know, giving him all the glory for everything he did. I was fasting and praying. Sometimes I wouldn't eat till about 5 p.m. because I haven't listened to a sermon. And through that time, Billy Graham, for many that don't know, he was an evangelist. He passed away a few years ago, but he was my go-to guy. I was listening to his old sermons in the 1980s, 1990s about the love of God. And I was just God, you love me so much, and I know you love me. Let this work out. Let this work out to the point where I was so close to not even applying for UK university because I was so sure that I was going to America. It was just a matter of which university or college would I go to. So when this fell through and it didn't come, it didn't happen the way I wanted it, I didn't get the full scholarship grades. It was like my breath was taken away. And it was so scary that I didn't want to tell anyone in, in the schools in my current, at the, at the time, that I didn't get the full scholarship grades. Because everyone knew how much revision and how much time. Listen, those SATs are not easy. People say, yeah, it's multiple choice. But boy, three hours and 45 minutes, multiple choice. It could get tough. Because I was doing that alongside revising for my A-level exams, which were approaching. And bear in mind, during that time, prior to my both exams on both sides, SATs and A-level exams, I spent two months away from school because I contracted malaria when we went to a voluntary trip, when we went to a fundraising charity trip in Ghana to build a school. So I contracted malaria, which took me out from school for about a month to two months. So I was already behind on work, but when I came back, you know, it was full throttle, trying to catch up on missed lessons. It was in my head, I was just thinking, this is pursuit of happiness, that it has to work out. It just has to work out. Like, if you've watched Pursuit of Happiness, Will Smith and his son, they just go through the worst case scenarios where they lose so many things, but they come out on top because he persevered. That was a mindset I had. So for it not to work out, When I tell you, I felt like crap. Words can't describe it. And I didn't feel comfortable talking to anyone about how I felt. Because to them, now going back to what I said, I didn't realise I was such an actor till about a few years ago. Now that's actually six years ago, that this, eight years ago that this happened. Six, seven years ago, actually. But in that time, when, when I found out that I didn't get the grades to go to get a full scholarship to America, I couldn't say anything, but I was so down. Because in my mind, I'd, I'd, 
I'd faced so many oppositions from even people that were close to me that I had I trusted telling me why do you think you why do you why do you want to waste it all to go to America and a bounce a basketball when your mother brought you guys over to the UK to study to get the best education now you want to go to America to play basketball all sorts of negative comments and negative negative feedback but I was so determined that I would in a way prove them wrong so when it didn't work out in terms of I knew that I couldn't get a full scholarship and if you if you're an international student going to America going to America the fees are high the fees are extremely high so it was a lost hope for me and it was almost like I went through the lowest times where I felt like I couldn't cover myself I couldn't hide my shame there were times I found myself so dark and deep within myself where just to hide it all I just was saying to myself God if I could just end it all there were times I was so close to even considering taking my own life but I knew that the only thing that actually stopped me was because I know if I took my own life it's only going to result in eternal pain because I'll go, I, I wouldn't be, there's no, it's not the right way to go about it. It's, the result of that is eternal damnation because that's suicide. And even saying the word, I don't like saying the word suicide because it sounds so heavy, but it got that deep. And now, so many people out there would say, well, it's just basketball. Why would you go so deep in terms of, why would you want to t- take your own life because you didn't make it in basketball, you didn't get the right grades? But that's how invested I was at the time. And it was something I didn't feel I could share with people because I felt that, no, Chinadim, you know, first of all, you're a man, you can't be doing this. Secondly, you know, you're a man of God and as a Christian, you shouldn't be going through any of this. Come on, you just need to, you know, just scrub it, push it aside. The amount of times I thought about doing it the only thing that kept me was that, wow, the impact that this would have on my family. This would be traumatic for my family. And again, where will I end up? Now, my, now people can talk about all sorts of things, remedies or solutions. But for me, I can't, I can't give the glory to anything else but God. Now, there are practical measures in terms of how to come back from such dark places but for me personally testifying I I I, there's no way because I was the motivator I was the one giving people motivation so when people tried to motivate me at the time it felt like I'd heard it already or those phrases you know hold on there hang in there things like that were so cliche to me because I was oh I'd become so used to being the one to give up those advice that I couldn't even accept it from other people I watched motivational videos but there was no motivation. Now, only God helped me. But then bringing it back to really, it wasn't until after I went to university that I started dealing with those things. And to even tell you, what made it worse was that the UK university, I, after realizing that I couldn't go to America, then it came to August, school finished, results day, went to results to get my results and because I'm head boy the head teachers came with me you know the anticipation because the head girl we already found out she was going to be going to Cambridge the idea was that the head boy and head girls you know the elites of elites in terms of they need to be high academic achievers 
And I know in my, I knew in myself that I wasn't going to get any A stars or A's. I already knew that. But I was saying minimum B's so that I can get into Loughborough, which was my first choice for UK universities. So in my head, it was like, since America didn't work out, at least I can go to Loughborough, the number one sports university at the time in the UK. But lo and behold, I walked into that hall, that hall room. <laughs> the head teachers, senior leaders, you know, all around me, peeking over me. I opened the envelope, saw my grades. Then I said, no way, my name is not Chinidu Mabunda. I, I, I couldn't believe that was my result. <laughs> it, was, it was one of those times where it's like, what? No, this ain't right. You know when you see films where people see something and they just rub their eyes to try and make sure that they're still awake and they're seeing what's real? That was me. Because the head boy that was expected to get high grades, you know, had this promising potential career in America to study and then play basketball, not only didn't get to, into American schools, but failed in his results. Now, even as I speak right now, it's almost like I'm ha I could almost feel myself having an out-of-body experience, seeing everyone's reaction. The disappointment that I felt would be in their eyes for sure. It took me a long time to get over that to the point where people actually thought I was in America because I didn't tell anyone that I wasn't going to, I didn't make it through to America. It was only a few weeks into university, I ended up going to Coventry University. It was only a few weeks into Coventry University that I, I don't know how I did it, but I took a picture on, Snap, on Snapchat. And it revealed that I was in Coventry University and people started sending me messages. Wait, Chinajin, where, where, where are you now? Wait, I, I thought you were in America. I thought you were going to America. And it just all came back rushing in again. Where I felt, damn, how do I explain this to people? See, that, 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 that strain of it. And I, I didn't feel comfortable talking to anyone about what I'd gone through. That I was still dealing with anxiety, you know, low self-esteem. And the crazy thing is that anyone that saw me, if you saw me, you think Chinadum's the most bubbliest person, the most positive, optimistic guy through first year. I was always smiling. I opened a society called Voices Society, you know, where we talked about... It was a creative platform where people could be creative in their creative arts, you know, spoken word, poetry, and all those stuff. Still played basketball, but all through that time, I was still recovering. And it wasn't until after, you guys remember in the first episode, if you haven't listened to it, I started having conversations with my friend Jamal, my brother Jamal, and I started uncovering the fact that, wow, I've been so, I've been so, I've been, I felt I've had the wrong idea about talking about emotions and talking about my men actually addressing my mental health. So it was only till then that I really started saying, do you know what? It's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to talk about these things. And I think that was the start of so many things where <laughs> like, I think my family started saying, oh, Chinedim, you're always showing your feelings. You're always emotional about things. But it started making me feel okay with talking about these things. And I started to see as I became comfortable talking about emotions, my, my mental state, my moods and things like that, really talking about things I was dealing with, with people I trusted, 
it gave them the confidence to also start sharing those same topics and having those conversations. Now, I didn't share my personal story to go to make you feel sorry for me or anything like that. No, it's to tell you that there is light in the tunnel. But so many of us tend to just close it and just, you know, you know we, allow, we say, I'd rather just deal with it myself. How has that been working out? Maybe it sounds harsh for me to say that, but the truth is we also need to take some time and realize what we can deal with ourselves and what we need help to deal with. I was watching a few documentaries and docu shows where men are coming up. Famous celebrities are talking about how they didn't feel confident with talking about issues they were dealing with. Stress, anxiety, you name it. But because they didn't deal with it, it escalated to points where it was so hard to draw help when they needed it. But even at that point, they addressed that fact that, no, do you know what? I can't do it on my own. Let me speak to someone about this. That's what I'm really encouraging you to do right now. If you don't get anything from this today's episode, just get the fact that it's okay to seek help. But I also think that it's one of those things where you won't change something that you don't need to. I see it like this. You only change something that you think needs to be changed. And the problem is a lot of people out there don't feel, no, I don't need to change my approach to my emotions. But if you feel like that, there would never be a need for change. My question to you is, take some, have, you, have you taken some time to really sit down and think, okay, why am I like this? Why do I act like this? That self-reflection allows you to really dig deep to what's really happening. And trust me, it can be so, it can be hard sometimes digging deep. And I think that's why many people don't. Listen, men, it's okay to cry. It's okay to feel vulnerable. It's okay to seek help. Because when we don't seek help, just imagine if we don't start dealing with these things. Not only will we affect ourselves, but imagine the impact it could have on others. An aspiring husband, an aspiring partner, you then go into a marriage or a family with all these things that you haven't started dealing with. No one's saying to be perfect and completely dealing with all of them before moving on to a relationship. But imagine if these things aren't sorted, the damage it could have on your kids, on your family, on your wife, your spouse. It goes beyond that. You owe it to yourself to take care of your mental health. You really owe it to yourself to take care of your mental health because it's such a vital part. It makes up who you are. It's not just about, because I think it's easy to mask how we feel. Because at the end of the day, we, we often all are actors. You only let people in so much that they feel you're doing absolutely okay. And it's that conflict where inside you're crying for help, but outside you're showing you don't need help. So how can you really connect the two? How can anyone really reach out to help you if you haven't really gone to anyone to ask for help? And to people looking on the outset, I also want you to encourage you that still feel okay to really ask people, how are you really doing? Because don't always take a smile as everything's okay. This is how we can be our brother's keepers. 
Now, people may look for a step-by-step, okay, steps to deal with mental health. One thing I'll definitely say to you is educate, find out, learn more about yourself. Self-education. Why do I respond like this? What are the kind of, what triggers this kind of feeling? What triggers this? Take some time. It, it really comes down to, you know, there are a few things I could say. One of them is acknowledging your emotional state, your mental health, acknowledging the fact that, yes, I can feel down at times. It's okay to feel down at times. As in, it's something that happens. It's not a sign of weakness. But now, okay, how do we get better? And gratitude. Be grateful. It, it comes from the little things. Because I think as men, a lot of times now, with everything that's happening now, a lot of ideas of what we expected or what we hoped to achieve will be put, set back a bit. And when you put your identity on a title or an achievement, it makes it hard for you to sustain that because when that title or achievement fades away, you lose yourself. You lose yourself value. And sometimes people think, wow, no job, I'm nothing. I'm telling you, you're more than your job. You're more than your business. You're more than your social, social status. You're more than what people think about you. Your mental health is so important. So before I wrap up, I really want to encourage you to just take some time. If it means journaling, if you're not quite 100% ready to start sharing with someone else, start journaling. Take some time to really reflect on how you're feeling. It's okay. It's okay not to be okay, but it's not okay to act like you're okay when you're not. It's okay not to be okay, but it's not okay to hide the fact that you're not okay. Please, please, please. Listen, if you can reach out to me, let's have a conversation. Let's really talk about this beyond just the Mental Health Awareness Week. This is something we all need to address and really help each other. Because together, we can be stronger. And also to people, please, let's just be mindful of what we say. Because sometimes we are the ones that actually build up that bias or that false idea of masculinity by saying, oh, now you can't be doing that. We, sometimes we don't even know we're saying it. Just be mindful of what you say and how you reinforce or eradicate that idea of macho, toxic masculinity. As always, I really want you to join us on our live stream this Saturday at 6 p.m. as we always have it. This Saturday, every Saturday at 6 p.m. on Instagram Live at Journey to Fatherhood Podcast. The whole thing at Journey to Fatherhood Podcast, Instagram Live. We'll be having our live stream, IG Live, at 6 p.m. UK time every week. And if you haven't done so already, please follow us on our socials. And let's like, share, and really distribute this content right now. Because I feel this is a conversation many people need. Many men need to have this conversation. Let's do that. And as always, thank you for your continued support. I look forward to speaking with you next week at Johnny's Survival Podcast. Take care. God bless.